Welcome to Market Proof Marketing, the podcast from the Marketing Minds at doyouconvert.com, where we talk about the current state of all things digital and how they impact home builders and developers around the globe. We're not here to sell you, we're here to help you and to try and elevate the conversation. I'm Kevin Oakley, and with me today is Becca and Thais, because the ad doctor is in full Unabomber mode. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Somewhere in a cabin in the woods in North Carolina. Um, yes. Other than that, it's an undisclosed location. That's right. <laughs> with the family for Thanksgiving. <laughs> and also, we shouldn't pop the bubble here of how all this works, but Thanksgiving is so close, I can smell the turkey coming up from my kitchen <laughs> below. So this is going to be an abbreviated episode, uh, so we don't miss anything, but it'll be a quick one. Yeah. Yep. So with that, let's hop right into story time. Ooh, Whoever ooh. wants to start. I got one. All right. So since Thanksgiving is right around the corner, everybody's coming to us for Thanksgiving. My parents, my brother, his wife, my auntie. So every time you say auntie, it's probably just where you grew up that that's normal. I think of (laughs) like I envision Becca, the seven year old. Well, each of my parents are one of six kids in my mom's side. There are five girls and one boy. Wow. So there are a lot of aunties. You, you never outgrow calling your aunt auntie. I'm, my mom is 70 and she still calls her aunt, who is 90, Auntie Jean. Oh, that's yeah. funny. You never outgrow it. My family no. makes up weird names that make no sense. My grandpa Oakley, all the all of my 21 cousins who live in Texas called him Coco. Yeah. Okay. Just because the first the first grandchild called him Coco and that stuff. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's fun. Yeah, that's cool. Okay, right. back to your story. Sorry. <laughs> so since everybody's coming here for Thanksgiving and we've just moved into our house in May, we still have some empty rooms. One of those is the formal dining room. There's currently no table. So this past weekend, Dan decided he was going to make a live edge table and benches so that we can have a place to sit for Thanksgiving. Oh, that's and cool. Yeah, it's super cool. He's got one more coat left of finish to put on it. So when we put the table together, <laughs> so we'll when, everyone, when everyone goes to pray, they put their elbows down. It, their elbows never come back up It'll off the table. Sticky, yeah. sticky yes. situation. Sticky. You're stuck there. But that made me think of trying to sell your homes before they get a birthday at the mm. end of the year. And In what way? Well, because it's the end of the year. You've yeah. got only so many weeks you can get stuff sold and hit your sales goals. Yep. So it's kind of like the last ditch effort to try and make it happen. Really. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And it's also just an example of urgency overwhelming the important. If you would have given that home the attention and energy it deserved to market it as a unique thing and make sure enough people saw it, it probably would have been gone by now, or at least you'd have all the feedback you needed to change the product or pricing in a way to make sure it's gone. And now it's just because it was the thing you kept putting off and putting off and putting off. Now you're yeah. in big trouble. Like I still, <laughs> it cracks me up. I feel like I should tell some of these people that I'm getting all of their emails, but I still get a lot of emails from builders all over the country from a shop that I did, gosh, almost four years ago of a hundred plus builders. And they're all over the place. 30 grand off, 40 grand off, 60 grand yeah. off, you know, free pool with a house. And it's just not the time to be stuck with needing those kind of things because it's it's crazy. You're, you're also competing with the people who want to save fifty dollars on a blender for Black Friday coming up. You know the, <laughs> the whole, like 
And I'm seeing yeah. a lot of those too. A lot of Black Friday, Cyber Monday, VIP special one-time savings events. And it's like, man, I mean, I, I know I have four kids, so I'm maybe busier than a lot of people listening, but aren't we all super busy and especially busy right now? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so like you're either prioritizing a house to the point where that incentive isn't the thing that makes the biggest difference in the world. Cause like your wife is telling you, if we don't get this kid out of our bedroom, we're getting a divorce. So you're looking for a house right now. Like that, whatever is causing that pain is already there. Well, awesome. My story isn't so much a story as a mini sermon soapbox thing. It's going to be super quick and we probably should come back to this. But last week's article that we talked about being required reading and this week's follow up to that, I read a couple other things and I should have wrote down their names to get them credit. But this one particular blog, and this is quickly an insight. I, I do spend over an hour every day. And for a long time, this felt like a, a waste of time or that I was not doing the right thing for work. But I do spend about an hour and a half every day reading articles, reading books, listening to podcasts would be kind of the plus time to that. But like an hour to an hour and a half reading every day, blog posts, anything I can find, news stories on on marketing, because that's all I'm really obsessed with about besides Ohio State football and Star Wars. So <laughs> someone was talking, was just railing on this idea of as a marketer, you don't have a right to do anything else until you solve the company's revenue problem or help them solve the revenue problem. Like if you, if the marketing isn't good enough to get the sales needed to keep the lights on, nothing else matters. And so you do have to hyper-focus at the beginning yeah. on doing those things that get you the revenue that you, that you need. And a lot of times that in, both these articles talk about, you know, kind of cherry picking the bottom of the funnel, spending just enough money to get that last click to get someone to convert. And those are the types of things you have to do at the beginning until you get a regular cadence. So that's my number one, just get the revenue needed. Number two, you learn about the customer as much as you can. You yeah. become obsessed about your buyers, obsessed about your consumers. You're going in the field because it's a necessity, not because you're just putting that in your calendar. And you're learning about who these people are, what makes them tick, what makes them different, unique. You're using all that extra time that you found by creating enough revenue for the company to obsess about your customer. And then number three is you start reinforcing who you actually are based upon what you find from the customers telling you. So that's mm -hmm. what your brand is. You know, the brand is not the logo, the colors, the fonts. The brand is who you are in the eyes of your consumers. And so you're reinforcing that. You can try to reinvent it if you really hate what you are, but for the most part, you're trying to reinforce and accentuate that and spread it throughout the rest of the organization, not trying to reinvent because that's, that's especially hard. Sometimes you have to. Yeah. So one, two, and three, right now we're on number four, which is when you loop back to checking in again, which you should be doing the whole time, but you're yeah. really going back and making sure that getting the revenue is as efficient as possible. So it's kind of like this loop that comes back to number one, in a sense of making sure you're not overspending, underspending, right-sizing all of your efforts so that you can then reinvest even more money into what you learned in step number two about the customer. So the first time we, we learned about the customer to help reinforce the brand so that everything would work better in terms of drawing them in, now we're saving those dollars to create more content or create solutions, apps, processes to solve more of the actual customer problems that an ad won't solve. So 
it's this amalgam of all these different ideas that I just kind of condensed down into this quick bullet point. But, but where people fail in their career is they don't realize where the company is in those steps yes, or what the company cares about. And so you just, you grab what you know, or you grab what your boss told you is important. And if you're not following those steps in that order, you, all kinds of problems can happen. Okay. Hey, speaking of that phone call in the background, you can call in and leave a voicemail <laughs> with questions, comments about this week's episode or the article we talked about last week. Anything you want to, 404-369-2595. I just purchased a special gift just for our next caller, assuming ooh, it's not a family member ooh, of ooh. any of you guys. Yeah. So give it a try. Give it a try. Okay. As a reminder, as we shift into the news, uh, we talk about what is still this counterpoint is my second favorite article, but this other article is still my favorite of the year from the correspondent. And it's part of a series, actually. I kind of, there's another kind of uh, prequel article to this. Uh, so I'll be interested to see just how much they keep railing against marketing and advertising in general. But go back and listen to last week's episode. Or click the show notes, we'll have a link back to the same article again this week. But this week, we're going to spend most of our time on today's show talking through the counterpoint. And I did something I haven't done in a while. I printed out paper. What? Um, oh. Yeah, I know. I was serious. just like, I don't want to make another Google Doc or Word Doc and just pull out my favorite pieces. I just thought it'd be better to highlight Whoa. on Whoa. actual paper. Yeah, That's how you actually remember stuff when you print it out and right? highlight no. it. That's true. The most important books of my life. I own an actual book because I wanted to mark the crap out of it. Mm -hmm. I own the ebook. I own the audio book. So I can just immerse myself in all forms of that whenever it's good. And, and yeah. this, this article is one of those things that's worth printing out and sticking in the mailbox of all of the people in your company related to sales and marketing. So I didn't print it out, but I did make notes in my notebook. Hey. Well, that's, maybe that's what we need. Save me from having to print out more things by suggesting your favorite app or program to highlight an article. I mean, I know there's Evernote, ooh, there's yeah. other stuff we could we could be using, but okay. <laughs> the title is. Remember the the last article was titled "The New Dot Com Bubble Is Here" and it's called online advertising. This counterpoint article is from MarketingLand.com is titled "Digital Advertising Is Not the Dot Com Bubble." Improper attribution is. Yes. And the subheadline is the real problem in paid search right now is our belief that we can track everything. Yeah. And I would say it's not just paid search, it's kind of all forms of digital advertising, this belief yeah. that we can track everything and know intimately what's going through the consumer's mind at all times. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Becca, let's yeah. You want to just go through some of your because I, I could just yeah. go on for another five minutes, but let's just jump in wherever you want to start. My favorite part was, this is why it's crucial to point out the thing that I believe the article alludes to, but doesn't actually identify as the actual bubble. That is an improper understanding of attribution and how it establishes misguided tactics for paid search accounts that fail to build brands and add incremental value. So for me, the first article is really kind of Ignoring the fact that there are different advertising platforms that you can use and you can use them to work in tandem together to get the whole piece that if you're only looking at one tiny little piece or one platform uh -huh. and you're only looking at 
well, I'm spending X amount of dollars on this and it's yielding this amount of dollars in return. You're not looking at the whole big picture and you're not seeing, well, I spend it here and I spend it here, but both of them work together to generate the added value because I don't think that paid search necessarily generates brand value. I think it's a way to find the thing that you're looking for. Whereas I think the yeah. added value is created in social. Well, yeah. That, and among other things, but that, I think you're yeah. right on the money. P- paid search is about discovery. Yes. It's not about branding. It right. is about getting Google's trying to get you know the, the pain or the particular thing that someone's typing in into Google, trying to get them into the, the right location to get the answer or the product that they're looking for. It's, it's all about discovery. And that's one of the things we talk about all the time is the best paid search ad in the world is still nothing but blue text. Yeah. Right. That's it. Yeah. It's just, it's just the words on the screen. Mm-hmm. And it's so easy to get into this tunnel vision mode when it comes to digital advertising, because it's exciting. It's so trackable. You can see the results as they're happening almost. It's so easy to put all of your marketing eggs in one basket here because it's you can track it. But it's not, it's just one small piece yeah. of the marketing yeah. picture. And that's also what this article talks about is when it comes to growing your business, this is only one small piece of the puzzle. Yeah. And, yeah. and what are you really tracking? I think that's that to me cuts into the heart of what this article yeah. is is talking about is what are you actually tracking? We're we're putting into the data things that are not there and that oh okay. Well, now they clicked on this this advertisement and we upgraded the page to put this button here and so that solved the the consumer's problem and and now that or the way they talk about in the article which this made me think of my friend Steve Shoemaker, why did a person visit on their third visit? and decide they love this brand and had to have one because of just the right emotional experience. But then they didn't actually purchase until their seventh visit 12 days later. Who knows? Mm -hmm. And then I underlined this one four times. That's not something you can track. No, No, that's when they talk to their family and friends. That's when they do their research, not on topics around it. And that's when they're doing everything else out in the world Mm -hmm. that can't be tracked to help their decision. That's when they're Seeing if life circumstances change, you know, do I really need this? Or or checking the ATM money gods to see if they can buy it. Right. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Waiting for that paycheck to come through. Yeah. You know, all those things. Yeah. We can't get the insight that we think we have. And so we're oversimplifying the customer journey. Yeah. Zillow's CMO at Zillow Unlock, you know, she showed kind of this timeline, not a funnel, but just a line of the consumer journey. And just according to their research, how many times that ball is bouncing back and forth. Now, it doesn't jump out of the line altogether. That's where when people say there is no such thing as a funnel. Well, the funnel is just a, it's a construct to help us understand an idea. Yeah. They're bouncing all around that funnel, but the idea is they're not just completely bouncing out of it. They might be going backwards or forwards. And that's, I did like the line illustration in, the, in that sense of the of the ball just bouncing back and forth along this line as a consumer journey is happening. But at the end of the day, we're tracking clicks. And even if you're using heat mapping software or you're doing really crazy stuff with eye tracking, all you're doing is the ones and zero part. And to skip back to the top of the article, the, this author who I would love to have this guy on the show. He probably has no time for, for <laughs> us, but uh, his name's Kirk Williams. He said, at the end of the day, digital advertising is just advertising. It's not yeah. the greatest thing to ever happen to marketing, and it's not a bubble. It's just advertising. 
And then he goes on to say, it's just doing what marketers have done for years. Utilize a specific medium to grow a brand and thus sales by getting the right message in front of the right people at the right time. And I think, again, Andrew and I always talk around this as much as we can. This is what I think is so interesting that politics has brought into digital advertising is this belief that digital ads, because of their specific context that they can get and using some additional psychographic insight, has this magical power to literally control us like robots. (laughs) And I don't know that as home builder marketers, we fall into that same trap of idea that a political advertiser might. But at the end of the day, it's just an ad. Mm -hmm. Yep. And it can't overcome, it can overcome discoverability problems. It's not going to overcome, you build a house with no windows in a half a million dollar price point community. (laughs) It's not going to solve that problem at all. No. Yep. Your product still has to be solid and be able to stand on its own. And so does your brand. Your brand has to still connect with people. Yep. And this is why when I wrote Presale Without Fail, you know, my my guarantee to you is that it's going to work 30% better than any other pre-sale method you've tried before. But that's because a lot of it is about discoverability and certain aspects of the process working together. But there's no there's no way that I can say this one thing will fix all of your problems. Same thing when we work with a home builder partner here. There's, I would say about 25% of the time, all of the metrics improve wildly. You know, 50% yeah. improvement, 100% improvement, all the black and white this is how many clicks we got. This is how many pages they visited. This is how many form completions or leads you got. All those numbers get better, and yet sales do not follow. Mm-hmm. And that's because they have other parts outside of advertising that are broken in that organization. And then it's, a, it's the hunt is on. Okay, we've ruled this out. This is no longer the part that we think is broken. So now we can go and look under these other parts of the company and figure out why, even though the intent is all there, we can measure the intent, what else is causing a lack of sales results at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. And that also, ironically, often goes into spend less money on advertising. (laughs) Yeah, it doesn't always fall to marketing. (laughs) People would like to believe that, but it doesn't always fall to marketing. One of the biggest challenges that we have because you know we don't make money on anything other than our recommendations. There's no other revenue. There's no kickbacks. There's no percent of ad spend that we're making is this constant struggle. I, no, you don't understand, Kevin. We have our money to spend and we just want to run more ads with it. Why do you keep saying that's not a good idea? And it's like, because look, you already have a 200% increase <laughs> in lead count. You, you don't need yes. more leads. There's something other. And again, back to one of our favorite sayings, if you have the money to solve a problem, you don't have a problem. You just have an unwillingness to realize that it's not advertising that's broken or, or, or needs the investment. Maybe that's a better way to say it. So something yeah. else in your company needs the investment beyond just an ad. Yeah. Okay. I want to shift to this last part that I highlighted which I think is all about back to this attribution idea and this in this false belief. Oh, come on. Don't film. There's too many pieces of paper printed out. This is the problem <laughs> with paper. He said, I'm going to complicate things even further. You may be reading this and vehemently agreeing with me on this point. Death to last click attribution, you cry, which we don't have time to go into that, but most of you understand what he's saying there. <laughs> yeah. And then he said, however, let me push this Even further, I believe there is no perfect attribution model, which we would agree, 
I think yeah. there's better attribution models than just looking at last click. The problem with with mixing attribution models or going back and forth is it's hard enough to get your sales leadership or leadership in general to understand what the heck last click attribution means. If you're jumping between <laughs> models in a conversation, they're, they're totally lost. Yes. Mm-hmm. So we agree on that point, but I especially agree on this last one, which if I had paid Kirk to write this, he couldn't have wrote it any better what I want to communicate. With privacy awareness increasing in dark traffic in a continually strong space, this means you can't really trust a more complex attribution model either. What he's saying is no matter what tools you use, the privacy race is on. Consumers are fighting to get more privacy back. And whether that's ad blockers, cookie blockers, VPN networks, I mean, I, I've, I've been shocked just because it's so easy now. I use a VPN almost all the time on my iPhone. <laughs> I use a VPN almost all the time because when I'm traveling to, to go visit builders around the country, I'm using a lot of airport networks and, and crazy places for, for Wi-Fi at times. And I, don't, I just don't want my credit card information or, or other data going through. So I'm using a VPN all the time. That's going to show you, know, you that potentially I'm visiting from the southern horn of Africa mm-hmm. to your website, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So the more complex you're getting, you're not necessarily getting all that you think you're getting or that you're paying for. So I can hear a builder partner saying, so Kevin, what do we do? How do we track <laughs> How do we track what's working and what's not? What's the mix? How do we know what to keep mm-hmm. spending money on? Yeah, we've got to either recreate this graphic ourselves and put it up or I'll find the, the text message when Steve make, Shoemaker sent this to me. But to me, it's all summed up with this awesome graph he sent over that, that showed as an XY graph. And it was understanding of marketing and years doing it uh, <laughs> on both axes. And it starts out with like, I got this. This is easy. And then it drops way down to, wait, this is hard. And then you're like, I, I think I'm starting to figure out. And then at the very end, when you're the most experienced, you've done this the longest amount of time, you have the most data, it, it ends up with, trust me, it's complicated. <laughs> <laughs> that's so true. And I think that's why marketers you know, enjoy this field too, is because nothing is ever the same as the last thing. You know, yeah. It's always changing. It's always shifting. And there's always room to test and improve and learn no matter how long yeah. you've been doing it. Yeah. yeah. So I think what you need to do is, is track what is easily measurable. Make sure yes. that's accurate. I mean, that's why we put out the Google Analytics guide and why we talk about the budgeting tool or, or guidelines so much is it's still most of the people who are trying to do this advanced attribution, you go in their Google Analytics and they don't even have the basics set up properly. You know, they're still mm-hmm. tracking yeah. As a conversion, a 10-minute website visit. It's not a conversion. (laughs) And and so just making sure you have the basics right, that you're tracking it well. And then after that, if you haven't been able to make it to what I referenced earlier, step number two of really understanding your customer. I think I told this story once before. I worked with a gal for almost a year and a half and then as a coach and realized she had never been out to a model home. Wow. I was like, what, 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 how are you doing this, this position and, and how can you do it? Well, if you don't have empathy for the customer, if you don't, I know more, uh, and this is, this is a scary place. And I, I check myself regularly, especially going through this process again myself, but simply because of the amount of time I've spent with customers and done, done true market research activities with consumers, I have more, uh, I, I'm okay with a gray area of the data. Yeah. Because 
it's hard to do this without a slide or a visual element. But if you think about the the DYC funnel that we show a lot of of website shoppers at the top, conversion to lead, conversion to appointment, conversion to to sale. If you think about that process, at any point when that process gets broken, and this goes back to episode number four, uh, (laughs) I think it's still the second most popular episode of all time. When one of those breaks, if you know enough about the gray area, you realize there's only two or three potential issues that it can mm-hmm. be. Yeah. But that you're not going to get that from data. There's no there's nowhere else to pick that up except for experience and knowledge about the customer and knowledge about your company. Yep. So you, you track what you can and then you start making, again, this is weird to say, good decisions based upon yeah. data, but also not based upon data, based upon collective uh, understanding of the consumer's journey, uh, potential objections, potential pain points. And this is where journey mapping and customer experience focus is really coming back. And I'm glad to see it because, you know, if nothing else, there's becoming companies to point other companies to when they say, okay, we definitely don't have an advertising uh, discovery digital ad problem anymore. Kevin, we think we have a customer problem. And, and now there's beginning yeah. to be companies who are we're really focusing on that because that's that's the way more complex problem to solve. And this goes back to some people are always afraid that AI is going to take over mm. marketing and jobs. And mm. but really, I mean, marketing <laughs> even to this day, marketing yes. is it's an art and a science. Yes. So. Oh, for sure. You can totally imagine as much as you want to give eBay crap for how they were handling their paid search in the previous article and how that made no sense. If an AI was looking at the data, it'd be like, it'd say the same thing the consultants were saying. Look, yeah, look, people click on eBay on a search and then they buy something or then they list Mm -hmm. something. This is great. Just keep doing Mm -hmm. all of that. Yeah. Don't mess with it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I just want to I'm inside my own head too much, which is another sign that we need to to wrap this up. Don't <laughs> misunderstand me. Again, back to the basics are incredibly important and data itself is still good to have. Yeah. That's where, you know, both these articles come at, at the same problem from two two different perspectives, which is at the end of the day, marketers pretend like they know more than they do. We're too unwilling to be open to being wrong or to being surprised. And you still have to be testing and trying things. Now, again, this is this is company culture. Your company culture may say, we don't test things. We let other people test things. And then when they're proven, we do them. That's okay. Just understand the world that you live in and the builder you work for. But at the end of the day, that, that to me, I don't know if you guys have any other takeaways of looking at both articles, which I love a lot, is you have to take not everything with a grain of salt. That's too flippant. But you have to understand the bigger picture. Yes. And that's why I'm still fighting with my own head. And I keep talking about You have to understand the bigger picture, but most people only understand the big picture is my experience. That's where still the most of the time when I'm working with a builder, they're only thinking about the bigger picture. And while this seems like it'd be a good idea and they're off of the races and they have zero of the basics down to understand the, the back to my point number one of just making sure they're selling homes. Yeah. Oh, I think you have to understand the bigger picture and then you have to understand how each piece fits into the bigger picture and contributes to the overall goal of more sales. Right. Which is why I lose another hundred hairs every time I ask a marketing (laughs) leader, how's your company doing in sales or appointments so far this month? And they don't know. 
how do you mm-hmm. know what you're working on? What problem you're trying to solve to make sure you're always getting the revenue necessary unless you're equally tied into the CRM, into, into the sales world, into product development? How can you... And it takes time. You got to go mm-hmm. slow to get there. We've talked about that before, but... yeah. Any other major takeaways that either of you guys have from from both articles or just what lies in the middle of them? No, nope, for me, I think we've pretty yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I think we right Yep. Trust me, it's complicated. That's the yeah, that's, right. that's the, the t shirt answer to, that's to the both. T- that's the takeaway. Yes. It's complicated. And it's not a comma, it's not a cop out either. It isn't. It doesn't mean that you can't make good strides. And that's what great marketers do. I, I don't know why this is hitting me right now, but I remember reading an article one time that the CMO of Coca-Cola for a period of time, his main obsession was creating the Coke dispensing machines that we have now where it uses printer ink cartridge technology to let you mix and match any type of drink you want. Mm-hmm. Oh, Now, if Coke wasn't already selling a trillion dollars worth of sugar water a year, he couldn't <laughs> have thought about that problem and created that new way for Coke to, to inject their product straight into our veins. It's getting beyond, yeah, it's getting beyond, you get the basics down. Yes. You track what you can track. Yeah. You know all the components of your marketing, quote, strategy. But And then that's the point at which you can, like, almost elevate and get beyond it. Yeah. But the part that's hard for me is I know, Thais, that so many people are simply relegated to here are the flyers we want you to make this week. This sign needs a new price point put on it. Hey, what's wrong with the website? It crashed. And they're they're really just nothing more than a marketing admin, even if they have a title of manager or vice president. It's complicated. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. All right. Let's wrap up, not with a new question of the week, but just a reemphasis of the old one. We, we put up the article, it's now live, of the different products and books and all sites. All, well, Thais, you wrote it. <laughs> you tell yeah. everyone what it is. Yeah, it's just a, a list of DYC recommendations. If you're looking for the perfect gift for someone who's tech savvy or forward thinking, sales and marketing pros, family members, yourself. It's just a good listing of tech gifts, some books for food for thought, some things that'll make you think and some things that'll make your life easier technology wise. We still love technology here. Yeah. And if <laughs> either, we, we also did start a LinkedIn market proof marketing group. So those of you yes. who have sworn off the Facebook can still interact with us. So check that out. We'll be posting basically the same content in both, but just for those of you who don't want to have a Facebook account, you can go there. I also have a separate prize uh, that you cannot buy that is Ooh. invaluable that we'll give away to someone who, who shares their favorite piece of tech or product that makes their life as a marketer or a human being better. So awesome. post away there and I have a secret prize that you cannot buy. Ooh, but retail nice. value is about 150 bucks. intriguing yeah it's been heavily personalized nice all right that'll do it for this week for published articles blog posts videos and more check out doyouconvert.com it's also the best way to find out how to connect with us on facebook instagram linkedin and everywhere else we are online have a great week we'll see you next time see ya bye